I told you I had to get caffeine. I'm good now. Just wait, Chuck. Just wait. 
Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. That's good. Good to be with you. Good to see you. Good to see everybody online. Um, if you want, stand up and we'll sing. We want to hear everybody at home real loud, too. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, by the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory, revive us again. aside, everything we say, everything we sing, everything we hear may be for you, God. Help us take a step, even just a little a step closer to you this morning as we hear your word. Uh, pray for Leonard, we pray for the youth, Matt, for all the volunteers, and just for everybody online. Just uh, let this morning be a great day for you, God. We praise you and we love you. Amen. Kids, you're dismissed. Adults, take a breath because we're going to sing another one.
Just 
Amen. All right, everyone, let's have a seat, and we'll get started in our time in the Word. I'd like to welcome everybody that's joining us online. We've uh, uh, made an additional tweak to our online presence. We've uh, added Facebook to our YouTube feed, and we've had a lot of people uh, respond to that. So that's been great, because our goal here is to try to hopefully uh, influence as many people as we possibly can for the kingdom with uh, what is happening in this gathering. Uh, one of these days, it is all going to be over, and all we can do is look backwards and say, were we fruitful? Were we faithful? Were we able to do our part in fulfilling the Great Commission and the things that Jesus has called us to do? And I hope that you are here today because you, uh, like so many of us, have received that good news in a way that hopefully has been life-changing, not just for eternity, but for this life right here. And I think as we've been going through the book of Luke, you find that uh, it does alter your view of how you look at what's happening around us. And hopefully the result is you have more peace and you have more confidence that despite everything, God is in control. And uh, the goal today is to just further that process in your hearts and in the hearts of uh, everyone that God is working on. So with that said, I'd just like to bow and ask God to join us and uh, pray for a couple things as, as we do. Would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, we uh, celebrate as we gather together one another uh, the opportunity to worship this first day of the week, the uh, the privilege of being citizens in your kingdom that uh, is the foundation underneath even being an American citizen. And so whether we are uh, fearful or unafraid of the tumultuousness of the moment, we are confident at the bedrock level that you are in control, that you are sovereign. And Father, we gain that confidence through adhering to your word and allowing it to penetrate our hearts to a depth where we're hearing your voice and trusting your voice. So I pray for everyone that is uh, engaged in this time around your word, that we could hear from you, Lord, and that as your vessel, I pray that I would be faithful in presenting it with fidelity. And Father, as I just think about all the people that you see gathered today, especially in this room and online, you know the the burdens, the fears, the blessings, and the things that we celebrate and re we rejoice in. And Father, I just want to lift up a couple of people pastorally uh, as, um, as we move into our, our, our time in the Word because your son was so engaged with people that needed your touch. And so I, I want to lift up um, uh, Jesse and, and Dave Syok's um, nephew, Apollo, who we've been praying for, who's overcoming having a, a stroke and, and just trying to find his ability to thrive again. We pray for a miracle to be in his life. And we pray for uh, Brian Bartles and ask, Father, that you would just give him that healing and bless uh, the, um, the fundraiser and all the things that Marie and her family are trying to do to support him. I just ask, Father, that the needs that have been brought into this room that we haven't mentioned that you're aware of, that you would be at work in those lives as well. And Lord, as we um, surrender 
uh, and have a, a posture of humility uh, ourselves before you and your word, uh, we just ask that you would speak to us. And Lord, as, as an instrument is being tuned to uh, the notes that uh, they are called to reflect, I just ask that as we pray the Lord's Prayer today, regarding you, our Father who is in heaven, but with us, and how sacred and holy is your name, and how in so many ways you provide way beyond our daily bread as we trust you for everything. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I needed that tuning too because I was starting to move into my sermon and my thinking, but that's the way my mind works. Sometimes I think there's three channels running at the, all at once. But that's the reason why we pray is we slow down and we listen as we pray to what God has to say. And I'm pretty excited about where we're moving into in Luke chapter 8 because I know that this is a foundational, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's a it's the parable that defines all the other parables. It is the, the kind of the, the, the framing parable, if you will, of why it is that when we hear the parables, uh, we, need to, we need to posture ourselves a certain way. So if you have your Bibles with you, we want to look today at Luke chapter 8. And, and I'm going to jump real quickly uh, to um, verse 4, actually. And then I'm going to move backwards a little bit as we move on. Uh, so let's just pick it up where, where Luke um, presents it here. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. Birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the, on the rock, and, it, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and with it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, if you haven't got it so far, this is a parable about hearing. And just so that we're clear on our terms, um, what does the seed equal in this parable? It's God's Word. And what is 
uh, the dirt. Little bit of ambiguity in the room, so we'll clarify. The dirt is the human heart. It is, however you want to describe it in whatever way, in this parable, it is simply where the seed is going and the condition of the soil will determine the health of the seed. Okay, so if you can wrap your mind around that, then we can proceed a little bit into the parable because we're going to basically be talking about this for two weeks just so we get it. It's that important of a, of a, of a, of a telling. So here Jesus is, and he is describing uh, the four kinds of dirt or soil. And what are they? Well, there is a path, which the seed is dumped on the path, and it is unable to really do much except just lay there because it's signaling out to everything around it, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to germinate, I want to develop into a plant. And the path is just saying, yeah, we hear you, but we're busy. And then there are rocks, and the seed falls amongst the rocks, and there's a little bit of dirt in the rocks, and it starts to grow, but um, it, uh, it really just cannot do what it's supposed to do. And it's signaling out to the rocks, I need nutrients, I need moisture, I need things that will activate in my DNA even more expressions of my potential. And the rocks are just saying, yeah, we can kind of help you out, but not really. And then there were some among the thorns. Now, don't get me started on the thorns, because I've been clearing my son's property in my spare time, and it's had a lot of thorns. Matter of fact, if you looked at my arms real closely, you would find that I've had some interaction with those thorns. And all I can tell those thorns is, well, they lost in the fire uh, the other day. So that's a good feeling. But the thorns are truly an issue here when it comes to this seed because the seed is competing. And finally, there is the good soil. That's the soil that says, yes, we have been waiting for, this, for the opportunity to collaborate with the seed so that we can experience the good things that the seed can offer. Now, that's kind of from a farmer's point of view, and that's really what this is sort of about. And you can imagine how people are tracking with Jesus, because if you're following through the book of Luke with us, you know that there are crowds of people that are just basically following him through the Galilean countryside. And it's really a little bit of a cacophony. It's a mixture between the Salem cruise and the zoo that we're getting ready to go to, okay? Uh, it's just a mixed bag of noise and people and variety. I mean, here's, some of the, here's, a, here's, a, here's a, a representation of who's in the crowd. There are those people that feel appointed or self-appointed as Pharisees to track with Jesus everywhere, everywhere that he's going to take note of what it is that he's doing and how he is either getting it right or getting it wrong. And 
with their clipboard, they're, 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 they're like have boxes. Uh, did Jesus do or say the right thing here? Check yes or no. No, and then add comment. And these reports were actually being brought back to uh, kind of a central headquarters of Pharisees and religious leaders, we find out, that eventually will, will take Jesus out. And so here they are. They hear this story, and they go back and they report. And they say, what did you hear? And they, the spies say, well, I, I think Jesus is going to be a farmer doesn't make sense, talking about seeds and soil. And that's what farmers talk about the, at the grain elevator when they're sitting around drinking coffee. And so they're very confused about what he's saying because they're not interested in what he's saying. They're just interested in the fact that is what he's saying a threat to what we believe or what we think. And then there's other people in the crowd that are saying, it's been a pretty slow week, so I think we're going to go check that thing out. Could be the car cruise. It could be Jesus performing miracles. I mean, that's interesting. And so there are people that are coming along for the entertainment value of seeing someone who says what he says and does what he does in a way that uh, is very provocative and actually very amazing. And then there are other people who are saying, we're not only interested in all that stuff, but we are trusting that what he is saying is life-changing, is the response from God to the need that he sees that all of us have. Because we've been in a predicament for a very long time, if you consider for a moment where we're at as Jewish people. And for us, it's a painful memory going back five, six hundred years, where the prophet Isaiah is commissioned to tell God's people, you're on your way out because you don't listen. And as a result of that, Isaiah is given a commission. He's told whenever he's called to be a pastor, minister, prophet, it kind of reminds me of, you know, hey, Isaiah, who, who is that? Who's saying that? It's me, God. Oh. And then Isaiah perks up and he's like, I've been waiting for this because I've come from a line of pastors and I would love to be a pastor and God is talking to me personally. You're going to go and you're going to speak to people. He writes in Isaiah 6, but they're not going to be really listening. You're going to help them to understand my purposes, but they're not really going to be comprehending. And chances are, the things that you say are just simply going to fall on deaf ears, and it's not going to bear any fruit at all. It's not going to go anywhere. And so he did that. It didn't go anywhere, and they ended up getting into a lot of trouble with the Babylonians, and then the Persians, and then the Medes, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then now. So Jesus kind of picks up on that, actually, if you're paying attention to what we read, he's quoting Isaiah. And he's saying, essentially, guess what? That thing that when we got into this mess, you heard God say, I'm picking it up. But what I've noticed is right now, 
some of the people are very interested in hearing what God has to say. And I think that some of those people may be in this room, just like them. There's a continuity of people who have been following the book of Luke for 2,000 years and asking the same questions that we're asking and trusting that there is a word from the Lord for the moment that we are, the times that we are in. And some of it may just stem from our brokenness. And I'm going to ask if we can just look at the very last slide because there's a question that drives us to be in a place like this. And oftentimes, we're kind of at our wit's end. We've hit rock bottom. We found that the answers that the world provides for the questions that we have can no longer be found in the world. That our, our, our questions run deeper than that. They're spiritual in nature. How can I fix my relationship with my spouse? How can I be a better parent? How can I not be so fearful all the time? How can I not look at life and say, I don't know where it's going? How can I have hope? How can I look at what is happening in the world around me and not be destabilized to a degree that I can't function? And for some of us, that's our version of rock bottom. For others, it's a little bit more personal and more profound. I have, I've sabotaged vital relationships over time and I don't know what to do. And it could be through alcohol, could be through drugs, could be through um, a- a- adultery, it could be through any number of things that begin to destroy our lives. And a lot of us, when we hit rock bottom, will say, why did God cause this to happen to me? I honestly don't think that that's really God's department to cause that to happen to you. I think what God is doing is he's saying, you're out of tune with me, and this is what's going on. You've begun to plant seeds of hope and potential in your life in the wrong places. And now you're in a moment where everything that you have planted is dying. And I... I've been there. I know. And it's, it's a conclusion that we finally all have to resolve ourselves to. I cannot do this without God. And the thing about God is he's in tune with each of us so much, he understands that you cannot do this without me, primarily because he made us and he designed us for life with him. And the big problem is we're disconnected from him. We've had a little bit of help, but at the end of the day, we're in a place where we need salvation. We need to be rescued. And Jesus is exactly in that business because the whole point of this framing parable is he's saying, I am coming to rescue you, but not everybody thinks they need to be rescued. 
For some people, they, didn't, they haven't needed to hit rock bottom. It was like just instinctive. Grass is green, water's wet, and there's a God, despite what I've learned in high school or in college about everybody saying there is no God. I know in my being there is. And I have a, it resonates with my being so much that I naturally go there. But I think what you will find is that if the things that you're planting in your life, your hopes, your dreams, your marriage, your children, your work, your vocation, the thing that you want, that house or that car or that job, and then you get it and you're like, it's just not enough. And then you step outside the boundaries a little bit and you find that just creates drama. And you realize, I'm in a pretty humiliated state because I just don't have the answers. All right. Maybe that's where you are and where you've been. And maybe God is working in your heart right now in that way. And I would say if that's the case, you're in a pretty good place. So let's just move back to those four types of soil once again real quickly because we're going to talk about these in greater detail next week. But the thing I like about how Jesus says this is he's pointing out something in you and I that will determine whether or not we're open, open to hearing from God because the problem isn't always that our ears don't work or they do work. It's a question of are we really, are we, are we really willing to hear what God has to say? And that, I think, is, is really the question. And I would say that if God has shown you that the seeds that you planted that have meant so much to you, but you planted apart from God, those kind of seeds, based on those kind of words, are not getting it. But there's something about the Word of God that changes everything. So much so that when Jesus is described as uh, uh, the, the Messiah in the book of John, John basically says, Here's the word, here's Jesus, and actually the two are the same. And yet the words flowing out of his mouth are an expression of him being the word. So if you kind of got that, you kind of know where we're going, which is a wonderful thing. However, did I mention, did I mention the one who is going around taking the seeds away? when they're deposited, the one who is interested in preventing that seed from germinating. I want to just skip to him for a second and mention real quickly that the devil is in the prevention business. And by prevention, I mean prevention between the seed, which is the Word of God, and your heart, and the two being connected. His job, his calling, and I wouldn't, his self-calling, is to keep that from happening to us. The thing is, though, he really can't. 
So what does he do? He just takes the volume of God, which is designed to be acoustically tuned to the capacity of your ears. And how does he get rid of that? He just turns up the volume in the world. Everybody go to the Super Cruise yesterday, Salem Cruise? Alice did. Was it loud and noisy? Yeah, it was loud and noisy, which is music for a motorhead, right? But it's a cacophony of madness and chaos if you don't appreciate muscle cars, right? It's not music at all. I mean, when I hear those exhaust systems and I'm listening to what's going on, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Or I'm like, that guy's got some work to do on his car because uh, he should have just left it in the garage. And you hear all of that stuff. But for other people, it's like, I am not interested in the loudness of that. And you know what? In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with a well-tuned muscle car. I'm just going to say that. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with good music. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with social media. It can be a good thing. There's nothing wrong with the Internet. It can be a good thing. But when the volume of these things is turned up so high, and God's saying, and you're like, what? And you're, huh? I can't hear you, God, because I got this going on in my life over here. It's creating a lot of noise, and your signal is not coming through. And that really is what Jesus is trying to, to show us, is that... The problem isn't the volume of what God is saying. The problem in the case of the one who's trying to prevent us from attaching ourselves to the word and it to us is he's just saying, where are those volume knobs that I can turn up so that no one, so that people cannot hear the voice of God? And so he's just cranking up the volume of the content that you're taking in. I'm so glad that there still is a ritual in our society because everything, rituals and rhythms and things that have to do with well-being have been pretty much obliterated. I mean, Sunday really isn't even a thing for people anymore as far as thinking about God. And yet you guys are here on the first day of the week and I hope that's a good thing because it is an opportunity for you to begin your week listening to the soundtrack of God so that you can hear his voice and that music in the course of the week. Now, I don't know how many of you do this, but I, I tend to do this. I'll play a song in the morning and then I'll just kind of turn it off and then I'll let that song play in my head the rest of the day. Any of you guys ever do that? Maybe it's just, um, I, feel, I feel vindicated here uh, because there's something about that song that just helps you to keep pace with what's happening. And maybe not everybody's brain works that way. And if your brain works differently, that's wonderful. But the, the words in the song actually are important too because you're not only going to be hearing the tune and the melody and the, perhaps the type of you know, music that's being played, 
but you're also going to hear the words, and the words are going to kind of drop into your head, and you're going to sort of be affected by them. And God is saying, the first day of the week, gather as a church for the apostles' doctrine, for the breaking of bread, for fellowship, and for prayer. It really is the fundamental axiom of the Christian church. Acts 2.42 and following. It's a way of saying this is what we do. This defines our identity because there are a lot of voices out there that are trying to hijack our understanding of who we are and what we're called to do. But I want to ask the question, what is blocking the seed, the signal from the seed? And this is really what I want to ponder today. And the signal from the seed, you may think, well, that's a weird way of saying it. But in reality, when a, coming from a farming family, I know a little bit about this. The seeds are actually coated with a purple coating, which is designed to allow that seed to be safely put into the soil and not be plucked away by birds, not be eaten by insects. It is a coating that will eventually come off and it's a coating that, that, that's man-made. It goes through a processor, and the seeds come out purple. And I remember my uncle saying when I saw the purple seeds and I started playing with them, he said, no, you don't want to play with those. Uh, and you don't want to eat them either. And, of course, I'm like, why? And um, he just said, trust me, you don't want to touch them. So I didn't touch them. But when that seed hopefully remains intact in the soil and that coating is, is disintegrating while at the same time the seed is signaling to the soil, hey, I'm here. And the soil is saying back, hey, we've got calcium, we've got nitrogen, we've got magnesium, we've got uh, all the building blocks for you to do what you do well. We're going to provide it. And if the clouds are cooperating, we're going we're gonna to distribute moisture around you in such a way that it will just be, the, be the, the gas for the fire. And the seed's like, that's good. That's perfect. As they're signaling back and forth what is required. God is signaling through the word the thing that helps you to thrive. And I just want to take the analogy a little bit further and say that he starts by signaling to us who have this barrier over us. It's a protective barrier. Sometimes you call it your ego. Sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's just your defense mechanism. Sometimes it's the thing that you put in place to protect yourself from an evil world. And God's saying, i got to kind of break through that. I get his purpose. But you got to be born again. you got to become someone new. That's got to come off of you. And we know that that's part of the good news, is that we recognize we're poisonous. We are not edible in that sense. We're not useful. And God says, but I have a means by which you can be. He starts to soften us through the signal from the word before we get baptized and we're raised with him in a newness of life, before we confess him as our Lord and Savior, which is actually the critical part 
and concede allegiance to him, before we turn away from those things that we have been drawn to, that have been saying this is the way, and he's working even there, signaling to you, hey, there's a better way. It's about the kingdom. It's a better way. Come on. And some people are saying, what's Jesus up to? Some people are saying, this is pretty entertaining. And other people are saying, we're open, Jesus. Tell us what you have because we want it in here. But I think sometimes some of us who have gone through that will say, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to. I'm saved. That's all that matters. I'm saved. The poison has been taken off. I'm fit for the kingdom. I'm fit for heaven. And so I don't need to know anything more. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Or maybe even before you get to that place where you're kind of settled into a contentment, you're saying, I don't want to hear about this Jesus talk in my household anymore. You can leave him at church. I don't want to know about religion. I don't know, want to know about God. I don't want to know. And the seed is signaling, but you do, but you do, but you do, if only you did. I love talking to uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord who have told me, and I've heard this so many times, you would not recognize who I was before I started following Jesus. I was, I am not the same person. I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you that I'm not the same person, but I was angry. I was bitter. I was complainer. I was unhappy. And then when I met the Lord, man, I found something I didn't even know was there. That word activated something in me that was actually, by design, supposed to be activated, but that protective layer kept it from happening, and now I know joy. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm coming alive in Him. I'm in the right place, and the seed just keeps growing. That's what God loves to see, and, and certainly we love to see as well. But the barrier can be, I just don't want to know. And that's a dangerous place for a believer because if you're reading the word, it is telling you you need to keep growing in your understanding. If you're not growing in your understanding, then you are rebelling against the purposes that God has for who we are, as we're called to be, who we're supposed to be. And you need to take that very seriously. Because there shouldn't be a person in this room that's not saying, I want to grow. But stuff gets in the way. And so the second answer may be the more insidious answer. I already know this stuff. I learned that back in Sunday school when I was a kid. I don't need to learn anymore. Now, that may be true in other traditions, but it is not true in ours. When you get to a place where you say, I already know, basically what that's signaling to me as a pastor, your heart's become hard. And that's dangerous. 
This is a very dangerous parable because it calls us out. I, I, Rich and I were talking about the first time we read it. I read it in Matthew, and I started reading the Sermon on the Mount because that was the sermon of Jesus. And I thought, well, Jesus has a sermon here. I'm going to read it and see what he says and see if he speaks to me. And boy, he did. And as he's speaking through that sermon and through Matthew, I'm hearing this. Yeah, the seed fell and it didn't happen. The seed fell and didn't happen. The seed fell and didn't happen. And I'm like, oh golly, I can be the path. I can be the rocks. I can be the thorns. I know myself well enough to know that's just me. And maybe that's you. But I also know that we can be the good soil. And what really determines that has a lot to do with where it is that you are at in your heart. Um, so you could say, I already know this stuff and not be willing to learn and grow. And God's going to say, sure, you'll possibly, you know, Getting into heaven, if that's all you're concerned about, we settled that on the cross. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people to operate in the kingdom here, pretty much the church, everybody. Because the world is very broken and in need of what the message is that Jesus is sharing with us. And so a lot of people, when they say, I already know this stuff, they don't revisit it. And then when they do, it's like, huh, I didn't know that was in there. The church actually can be a hothouse for people who say, I'm pretty content at my level of understanding. We don't want that. At least according to this parable, we don't want that. We want to keep signal from getting blocked, don't we? Can we just agree on that? Because I, I hope you can, at least in principle. And if we do, how can I hear the signal from God's word? And maybe you're saying, Pastor, help me to hear it, because I, I do need to hear it. There's a part of my soul that is saying, yeah, the trajectory that I've been on isn't, isn't getting it done. So how can I have those signals from God's Word? There's two options. One is, okay, what's the, what's the point of the parable? It's to see whether or not we listen, Right? And I would say that if there is a deficit that we have to overcome, it's the ability to listen. Somebody or something signals to you bad news, what do you do? What's your first impulse? To react. What do we do about that? How are we going to fix that? And even when we read God's word, we can react to it and say, oh, I agree or I, don't, I disagree or I'm scared or I'm nervous. But what does it require when you listen to someone? Silence. Jer Jerry uh, caught me as I was coming in here, and I had all these, I had three channels playing in my brain, full volume, and he's like, did you see my finger? I basically had to turn all those TVs off. And I'm like, Jerry, you have my attention 
And then he went on to explain to me that it had something to do with vehicles. That had my attention even more. Then he went on to explain to me it had something to do with welding. I'm like, I just bought a welder last year. I'm on it. But when he said a screwdriver was welded to his finger, because I'm calling you out now. I'm sorry. I'm just repeating the story as I heard it. Because he touched the battery terminals wrong. I'm like, memo to self. Because, you know, I wear a ring, and that, ask Jerry about his finger. But I, I literally had to turn those teeth, as you were talking, I'm like, Leonard, you need to pay attention and listen to Jerry. I think it was a little voice saying, because you don't want to do that. <laughs> Jerry, I've got my own stories of folly, too. So um, we have to listen with humility, which is exactly what I just described. It's saying respect the voice that is speaking to you. Now, with God, I think you have to ask the question, I trust that voice completely. With each other, we have to listen with respect, and sometimes we have to process what we're hearing, but we still need to listen with humility. And with the word, the other vital ingredient is to pray for understanding, okay? Now, the interesting thing about, like, we were talking about thorns a minute ago, and there's plenty on my son's property, and I've had my battles with them and the scars, one day I got so tired of messing with them, I just took my tractor in the front end loader and I just started like gnashing at them and just pulling them back into a great big pile. Then I had this big pile and I'm like, I don't know what to do because there's dirt in there and there's rocks and I can't burn it. I'm just going to drag it out. So I drug it out and I'm like, oh, that's just an unholy mess. And I finally just push it off into a pile. That was about a year ago. And then the other day I got on my tractor and weeds were growing around it and stuff just thriving. And I pulled it apart, and what I found was all those thorns and everything had decayed to such a degree that the dirt was just black. And I'm like, fertile topsoil from thorns. Who'd have thought? And then the rocks that were in it, I picked those out because I didn't want to buy mower blades. And I actually used them for a useful purpose. And I can't help but think God being God uses all of that stuff. And so let's just stop for a minute and say, God, I am in a place where the seeds that I planted are not growing the way they need to grow. And I know I need you. God, I've got a lot of thorns in my life. i got a lot of stones in my life. Can you do anything with them? And God being God's like, I don't waste anything. It's kind of like my grandma. She didn't waste anything. And when she died, we, we discovered how much she didn't waste anything. But God, rather than hoarding it, 
says, nah, we use that. We use those thorns, the thorny things of life, the things that we want to avoid. We'll use that because I don't waste anything. Those rocks that kill your mower, we'll use that. They're not very good for soil, but they are perfect for building things and keeping weeds away. God works everything together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I just want to get back as I end to the verses I didn't read, and that was verses 1 through 3. Because there was a, a, a group of women, of all things, in that culture who said, we're with you, Jesus. What you've said resonates with me. And there were two of them that are mentioned here alongside the 12 that were helping out. One of them was Mary Magdalene, who, by the way, church history says she was a prostitute. We don't get that from Scripture. But she did have seven demons, and so her house was clean, and her mind was right, and she's thinking clearly, and she realizes, I need new information to reformat my identity. What better place to begin than God's Word and Jesus? And because she tuned into the Great Commission, she said, I want to help. And then there's um, Joanna, who is the wife of Chusa, who's a steward in Herod's household, which may not mean anything to you, but let's just think about it for one second. Joanna, married to the household steward, is asking her husband for money and resources to help Jesus and the disciples to do what they need to do that are sourced from Herod, who at the same time is trying to kill Jesus. So Herod is underwriting Jesus' ministry, unbeknownst to him, while he's trying to kill him. Isn't that funny? What an idiot. And that's what Luke is kind of saying here. If you read between the lines, the power guy is the idiot in the mix because he's not in tune with the purposes of God. And I just want to be honest with you. I was the idiot in the mix whenever I wasn't in tune with the purposes of God and 35 years later have vindicated that, that decision. I don't want to call anybody else an idiot in this room, but I'm just saying it is very foolish to not listen to the Word of God. And maybe you grew up on margarine commercials, you know, parquet, butter, um, what was the guy with the crown? Da, 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 da. Imperial. But then there was also one that just scared the living daylights out of you. Remember that one? Lightning bolts. It is not nice to fool Mother Nature. You remember that one? How? See, we don't forget this stuff. It's emblazoned, but it's so trivial. It's like, do you need that in the new creation? Probably not, because people decided that margarine was not a thing anyway. That we need to have butter from the cow like God intended. But some fools said, no, that'll kill you. And some fools believed it. And then the margarine killed them. So I'm just saying, God has a lot of wisdom. And like that teenager who says, Mom and Dad, you're idiots. Who comes back, you know, 10 years later and says, hey, can you give me some advice on this? Because I really don't know what I'm doing. 
it's just another way that God says, I don't waste anything. I'm not going to waste that. And maybe he's telling you, without Jesus, you really don't know what you're doing. I'll just be blunt. And without staying tuned and calibrated to him, thinking that you know enough and you've got what you need for that place up there, you really are not in a good place. And God is saying, I just want you to be like these guys. They heard the word, it changed their lives, and now their lives are redirected in the best way possible. I just want to help you do that as we go through this parable. And I'm, my invitation today is simply this. Because Jesus has to explain the parable, and I've kind of set you up for it by describing what the ingredients are. My invitation today is to just ask you to bow and pray with me and just consent along with me um, this request in prayer. Would you bow? Lord Jesus, as we've heard your word and hopefully we listened, we are praying now that you would help us to see where seeds are being planted in paths of our lives where we're indifferent. And just reveal those to us. Show us, Lord Jesus, where we are receiving the seed, but the soil is pretty rocky and not capable of doing much with it and is actually being stolen from the one who's preventing it from taking root. Show me, Lord Jesus, where the thorns are that are actually just the cares of this world and the distractions of life and the things that I prioritize over and above you. Lord, that's perhaps the most painful of all. And Lord, help me to have a heart that is humble and willing to say, I always want the soil that is my heart to be good for you and the word that's planted in it. Lord, I just pray that you help us to find your response to these questions in the course of this week before we gather again and listen some more and pray some more. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, communion is a time in our service. It's a meal of remembrance, and Jesus gave us, <clears throat> he gave us this meal uh, for that purpose. And it's a place where we remember his body broken and his blood shed. And in remembrance of these things and looking by faith, at the cross and the Christ thereof, um, he begins to break apart that soil and that, uh, that which is hard so he can penetrate and he can grow and he can take up residence in a place that he's only rightful to take. And um, so when we remember him, it's a place of self-examination as well. It's where you bring the hardness of heart that you heard today the rocks in the soil. It's where you bring the thorns that are choking out your faith. 
everything that the Spirit's made you aware of, pretty much. This is the place in the service where we bring that to Christ with the offer that he is willing to take those things out of your life or to help you with those things within your life that we don't have a lot of power to because we love them so much. And so, Father, maybe it's our confession that we love our sin so much and we don't want to depart and we're hesitant for all these various reasons. And about now and through the service and afterwards, our enemy will rise up and he'll say, no, go back to sleep. Don't listen to that. Don't worry about it. It's what he did with Adam and Eve. Gave them alternative, alternative facts, alternative truth, which was just a lie. And anything that doesn't coincide with what you've written is that lie. So I pray that you would expose those things within us, illuminate them. I thank you that there's more to hear about this next week, and I pray that this week would be, that you would be working. Maybe it's not so enjoyable for us, but I pray that you would grant those whom you are working in steadfastness and help them to see the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would grant encouragement to them within the week and in this moment. I pray that you would protect us, deliver us from the evil one. And grant us the grace of viewing the surpassing worth, beholding it, having it in our heart, getting it in our guts, the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus. And for anyone whom you want to begin that work with here and now, Spirit, may you draw them to the place where they can be freed, made clean. The cross of Christ Jesus, which we remember. And grant us endurance long after this is over. And thank you that you are at work within us. You're a good sower. And thank you that your word is available. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. It's been nice being with you all today. Nice being with you too on the internet as well. Um, apologize for issues we're having with the stream. Uh, we're having internet keeps lagging and freezing. And it doesn't really happen in here, so if we freeze, it's kind of weird. Let's see how God brings us all together. Given the topic of this weekend, 
How many Chevy people we have? Who like Chevys? Anybody? Couple? Ford? Ford? Mopar. Mm. Who doesn't care? See? And we're all here praising God together. And it's awesome. So if you want to stand up, uh, we'll sing this last song, Surrender. Um, reminder about the zoo today. If you're going, going on after, we're doing Digging Deeper today, right? Online? Okay. We're not meeting in here for Digging Deeper today? No, there will be no Digging Deeper today. We are going to the zoo today. Okay. So if you want that, there'll be a video online. But, uh, give you my life I give you my trust Jesus you are my God you are enough Jesus my heart is my heart is
Amen. God, have a nice day. We love you. Hope to see you next week.